the nerds take over. Us? Huh? All right, welcome to Nerdables, episode 139. This week, Chris, Sebastian, and I are going to be talking about EA's Play to Give. Uh, Sebastian's got some news about a uh, certain franchise and their uh, recent DVD release or Blu-ray release. And uh, trying to keep it a secret, a certain franchise. Well, I just, you know, I was going to let Sebastian. <laughs> That's the hook. I was going to, yeah, I was going to let Sebastian do. We're going to, we're going to go from con to give to con. Yes. And and so forth and so forth. Because we're talking. We're, so wait, wait, I know we talked we... about it before, but I, never with Sebastian on here. Yeah. And it is seemed more becoming less of a trend and more of a, yeah. a norm. Well, there's all this other stuff. That... We'll get to that at the end. The most important thing is that we're going to talk to each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not yell and scream at each other. <laughs> a civil show with a just the three show. of us. Right. We'll go get the. Uh, we'll get our. You know. And many days has passed <laughs> since last incident calendar. Yell free, free workplace since zero days. I, I have one of those in my office oh, about, for Star weird. Wars. And we, yeah, we could put it right up here. Yes, yeah, no, I just I, no, I noticed there's new stuff up here. Not only are they helping with this, the, to, uh, to. Yeah, it's almost like we have soundboards here. Right. We've, yeah, we've moved the. We usually record in Rich's living room so that we can just stare at the TV the whole time. And uh, we had an impromptu production meeting after screaming at each other last week. And uh, one of the things I mentioned was we used to record right here in the in the dining room, and I said I think that might be a better idea. It's a little closer. It's harder to scream at people when they're right in front of your face. It just intimidates <laughs> right. you. Like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, you've got these cool uh, corkboard type things up here. Yeah, they're supposed to be up there for everything we do in 2016. We're putting it. Uh, putting it's a good to start in June. Well, no, we've got. We just haven't. <laughs> I just hadn't put them up, and I thought, you know what? Since we are going to be recording in here. They will help be a sound dampener. Yeah, so bit, I yeah. might as well put them up now. Yeah, I think the acoustics in this room, but well, smaller. So it's it just small, yeah, the ceiling and stuff like that. So, so yeah, yeah, we <laughs> want to talk about um, speaking of movies and things that are wrong with them. That we were yelling last week. Yes. Sebastian had an experience. With I did one of his. Is it one of your favorites? It's it's definitely one of my favorites. I think I think Star Trek Four and Star Trek Six tend to get the the they tend to tie between each other because one's a mystery story with espionage and the other is saving whales, which is always straight cute. straight four forward. and six. Wow. I do well, love, all the even numbers are the only good ones. That's true. That's not true. I, I, I love motion picture. I know you See, do. I still like the original. Motion oh. picture with the director's cut specifically, uh, and it, I do appreciate the motion picture a little bit more, mostly because it's the most true to Star Trek than the rest yes. of them. That's not necessarily a bad thing, and I don't... No, I think we've had this this light debate, because there's one of the um, one of the next-gen movies, I remember we were at work once, for those who don't know, Sebastian and I used to work together, um... You mentioned oh, which one was it? Insurrection, I Insurrection. think. Insurrection. You're like that's a really great long episode. And I'm like, well, then that's not a good movie. Sure. <laughs> and we and just kind of, you know, it's a difference yeah. of opinion. I'm like, I'm not going to the movies to see a long the TV of Star series. Trek. Yeah, I want to see something like in terms of my, like first my contact. favorite is First Contact because I I love Next Gen. So yes. my personal favorite is First Contact because I'm like they would have never done that in the series. Even the big Borg episodes right. are nowhere near the amount of very, production value yeah. and everything that they were you very could calm, do. Sweet. Yeah, in terms of, of what that is. So you're watching Star Trek Two. We're just released on Blu-ray, yes, it just right? Came just out just this released last on Tuesday. Uh, it's a it's so what it is what it is is uh, it's the brand new release of the remastered director's cut of Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. The last time it was ever out in a physical media format was on the dual disc DVD from uh, the the nineties. 
late 90s, uh, which I do own. Let's see, I might have that. You probably do. It's in a gray box, gray two. I think box so, in. yeah. And then in 2009, they did a brand new remaster of Wrath of Khan. It's also, coincidentally, because it got a 4K work print, looks the best of the 2009 remasters of all six of the original films. But it didn't include the director's cut. So this is the first time they've done a director's cut with a brand new remaster. And this remaster, for both the director's cut and the theatrical cut, is a new work print from the 2009 one. So it looks even better. That's why uh, Searcher Spock was on BBC America on Tuesday night. Probably. Probably gearing up for that. Yeah. But... I, that, I was watching it, and I'm like, I don't... This movie, weird. I, think, I, don't, I think I came home to that, yeah. It's yeah. not as bad as I remember it. Searcher it's Spock, the, no. The Search, Search for Spock is a good film. The thing that always it's gets me... It's the middle of the trilogy. Is Well, no. The thing that always gets me is the production value at the very end. That planet looks terrible. Yeah. Yes. When they're, that's the only thing. That took me out of the movie. I'm like... Wow, that that looks so much like a set. It yeah, just didn't, it you know, it did. Yeah. But anyway, back to Sebastian's experience with with right. Wrath of Khan. So uh, this is more a consumer issue more than my <laughs> more than any nerd it's, problem. It's a fun story. <laughs> it is. It is. So uh, so there is one change to the movie made by the director, and I'm going to mention that because it's something that people should know if they're gonna if they're gonna look to get it. So at the end, uh, towards the end of the movie, before the Battle of the Mutara Nebula. They're beamed back onto the Enterprise from the Genesis planet. They have a conversation. Uh, Spock, Kirk, and Savick have a conversation. They exit out into some corridors. And then there's a quick scene of them climbing up some Jeffrey's tubes to the bridge. And Kirk reveals to Spock that David is his son. And that's, that's the scene that Nicholas Meyer, the director, asked to be cut out of the brand new director's cut. It's his right as the director to do so. Sure. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't take away anything. It doesn't change characterizations or tone. So that scene is gone. For anyone who is like me and would remember that scene and go, wait, something is missing here, and then double check. And then when I did my research, that is that is officially taken out. So that's to take it or leave it. But watching the movie, uh, we get the music overture, we're sitting down, the you know Star Trek Grathicon, and then somewhere in the 23rd century, it opens up with the Enterprise on the mission for the Kyobayashi Maru. The scene continues as normal, and then at one point... Savick gives the order to Sulu to proceed into Klingon space, and the scene with the first shot of Sulu is repeated. The, so he plots a course, you see the course projected on the screen, and that's the normal part. Then it's when you get to the repeat of it, where he's saying dialogue at the view screen, and then they cut back to the position looking into the bridge, and he turns around to look back at the view screen, I was like, wait a second, that's a really weird cut. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember this at all. This is, this is very foreign to me. And then I was like, no, I, I guess that was it. And it's like, wait a second, let me go get my DVD edition. So I put it on. It's literally in the first five minutes of the movie. And I was like... This is why I love Sebastian. I know. Because immediately, I'm going to go get my DVD. I'm going to go get my DVD. I'm going to go get my DVD player. Hang on, I'll be right back. <laughs> Stop. Hold on. I have to fix this right now. And I have I to investigate. It. I watch it, and then you get to the moment where it's uh, Sulu projects the course. You see the course projection on the screen. Uh, Savick has an exchange of dialogue with uh, Uhura and Spock, and then she proceeds to give the order, and you see Sulu turn around <laughs> and the original director's cut and say, may I remind you that if we do this, we'll be breaking treaty, and she's like, do it anyways. And then he turns around and is like, okay, and then they proceed in. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was shaking the DVD box is what I wanted to do and shout that, and then there would be a nice uh, scream at pull the, at out the... of yeah. my house, and then further out <laughs> uh, over orbiting Earth. I was I was frustrated, 
And mostly because it's, you know, you want, it's a new remaster, and it was one of those things that, it's like, why, if this is a brand new version of the director's cut that Nicholas Meyer went through, and I, I knew of the one scene that changed, why would you cut to some bizarrely inconsistent moment there, and then doing yeah. some research, <laughs> Trek movie didn't catch it, uh, a few other DVD review sites didn't catch it, and then one other, like, Blu-ray review site mentioned it, and I was like, okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> and then all the other websites started going, oh, by the way, we didn't catch it. How did we, uh, Trek site or Trek movie or Star Trek, how did we miss the error? It's like, yeah, how did you miss the error, Star Trek nerds? <laughs> so have you ever taken... So Sebastian should be on one of those. I know, right? Have you ever taken two monitors and done you know, the original cut or the, uh, the Blu-ray cut or whatever and put them simultaneous to see where they've made the changes? On any of the movies, like a theatrical versus directors, or, or just any like two directors, like you're like you're saying with this one. Very rarely do I ever do it, mostly because if something is gonna be out of place and an, like, this was clearly, I I believe clearly just a, an editing error. Sure. When someone yeah. was reconstructing the scene, they just used the wrong shot of Sulu, and it, it clearly looks like a mistake. And when there were errors on the Next Generation remaster Blu-rays, CBS issued a recall program where you put in your information and they just sent you uh, like your proof Whatever of purchase disc, yeah. and they just mailed you the new discs. Right. So I sent my email to Paramount because they do the Star Trek movie, CBS does TV shows, hoping that maybe there'll be a response. Uh, I think I think Trek movie uh, did say that Paramount was made aware of the issue and they just have not released an official statement yet. So I'm sure it'll take them a little while. Yeah, I'm sure because they have to double check everything. <laughs> this is, again, it's just all of a sudden just imagining Sebastian Lange, hold on. Yeah. Put the other DVD in <laughs> and check it out. I, and I suppose it's, it's lucky when it's only in the first five minutes that there's yeah. a mistake. It's well, still yeah. great. At least, at least, you know, when you put your old, your new disc back in, it's going to start right to where it was. Right. Yeah. And then I just go back up. But it, it's one of those bizarre things that I think if it was later on in the movie or if it was more of a. It, when you're more engrossed in the film and then. Yeah. Or if there's a more subtle error. Sure. Yeah. Uh, there's something where there's a, there's a beat missing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I still think a lot of people, in terms of, like, Empire Strikes Back, don't realize that Boba Fett's, Boba Fett's voice changed. Yes. But immediately, you know, after episode two was released, mm-hmm. they changed the cut of, of Empire Strikes Back having um, Jango Fett actor Timmy Morrison redo all of Boba Fett's lines, which I hate. Right. Because I love that original voice. The original oh, I, voice I, is yeah. fantastic. That's the only movie that, when they released those... Um, at one point, they released, like, the originals and the remastered or whatever... Mm-hmm the special editions as two disc sets for each one. The only one I bought was Empire. And the only reason I bought it was because I wanted that voice back. I actually right. like the Empire cut with the, the new paintings and Bestman and stuff like so that. I, yeah, I enjoyed that. The Empire one was the only one of the, all it's the so special subtle. editions. Yeah, it's all it, was the, it, was the, it was the one that was changed the least. Yeah, and it was just it was backgrounds and Bestman to make yeah. it look yeah. more like the city. Yeah, that, a little bit that, more with the Wampa. Yeah, was, right. and even then, there was barely yeah. anything like that. The, the silhouette of the too, Emperor that, changed, but that all stuff, that stuff yeah. didn't matter. Yeah, that, and it's also stuff that doesn't bother me if there's still a way to watch the original cut. Yeah. That's what I loved about uh, when they did uh, the original series. When they remastered the original series and they redid special effects, they gave you the option in the Blu-ray to switch between original TV version, remastered, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. the new remastered version with the new special effects. And I kind of wish 
that that was not the route that George Lucas to, chose to go, especially when you look at something like Return of the Jedi, some of the weird... <laughs> the blinking Ewoks. The blinking Ewoks. Well, yeah, and that's... I mean, that didn't even come until the Blu-ray. The original right, right. the original special edition, there's almost nothing changed in it. No, you know, the, it was, it was all in Jabba's. Yeah, palace. it was it was Jabba's palace. There was a couple pieces there. The, the, the dancing scene. And, and then, little, yeah, yeah, I think they is, cleaned up a little of the, the battle over, over Endor. Because mm-hmm. even then, one of the problems that I had with the special edition when you saw Jedi the first time, we saw it in the theaters that, you know, they used that that green screen or whatever type of of filming, that plate filming to do the Rancor fight with, with Luke. And you have that, you know, almost like an aura around the, the yeah, Rancor's it's like arm. That, it's like that rotoscope. Rotoscope. That was, yeah. It's, yeah it's the rotoscope. And they never fixed that. I'm like, how could you not fix that? Well, the same thing with the TIE Fighters. Well, they did but the same there was, thing with yeah. the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They, the, when there's the scene where Indy falls into the pit and the snake, the cobra looks back at him. Yeah. And you, you can, can see, see the, the mirror. Like, you can see the reflection in the glass. In the and glass. then they digitally cleared that up. It's like, yeah, that's the, a the good funny change. Is, remember the first time we went to see the special edition of A New Hope and my friend Jared, and it actually comes back to Star Trek because this is the type of person that Jared, Jared is. So we're watching the scene and the lightsaber fight between Vader and Kenobi. And Kenobi, you know, flips the saber around and it kind of points towards the screen. Right. And the you, blue just disappears. You can see the stick. You can see the stick. You see all the white and everything. And yeah. for all the stuff they did in that film, all the money they put into, you know, changing the stormtroopers and adding the dew back and Erasing getting the poor stormtrooper who hit his head. Yeah, no, that stayed. That when it was first released, it wasn't. They, they put it back it in because now they originally it's become part of canon. Yeah, when it. they originally did the 1997. Um, we release in the theater. It cuts before that part because I, yeah. ha- I have all those too. Yeah. Well, no. The, the it was never on the DVD in the, theater, in the theater. In the theater in 1997, when they re-released that movie, they cut just before that stormtrooper hits his head. Right. Yeah, that scene like, is actually like half a second shorter. Yeah. But anyway, so that scene comes in, and in the middle of the theater, Jared's like, "How the f did they not fix that?" Yeah. Like screaming. We went to see Star Trek or uh, next uh, next gen, the first next gen movie. Generations. Um, Generations. Generations, yeah. And Generations features a Klingon bird of prey, which you immediately notice. So the bird of prey doesn't change in like the 30 years between the original series and Next Gen or whatever, however long the it is. The movie series. The movie series, yeah. So towards the end of the film, spoiler alert, but the Klingon bird of prey blows up. So everyone in the theater, we go to see it opening night. Everyone's like, yeah. And my friend Jared's like, oh, that's bull. Beep! Like as loud as he can in the theater. And we kind of turn and look at him off the side, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, are you rooting for the Klingons? Like, what the hell? We get out of the movie. He's still stewing. And I'm like, what is it? He's like, that's the same exact shot from, from uh, Undiscovered Country. They just flipped it. Cheap ass bastards. I'm so mad. He was so upset. Like, he just screamed at it that they were so cheap as to use the same exact shot of the explosion of the Klingon Bird of Prey in episode in, uh, in six, and they just reversed the, yeah, the, the film. Yeah, mirrored the film. He, and it still, it still bugs him to this day. It's one of those weird things where it just his enjoyment of the film, which none of us really enjoy that film too much. When I first saw it, I enjoyed it. I liked I it. First, there are I, some things The to first enjoy time I it. saw it, I enjoyed it until Peter David wrote a very scathing review of it in um, uh, the what was it, like comic book news or something like that. It was an old, you know, before the internet, you used to get this thing every week, this big newspaper about comics and stuff. And he used to do a, a column at the end. And he was, he was pretty scathing in the movie because it's like the bad guy in the movie is a ribbon. Right. You know, <laughs> and he, like me, even from the beginning, he's, he wanted to let. He wished that um, Paramount had allowed that crew to own its own film 
instead not, of yeah. making sure that Kirk was in it. Yeah. Well, just the idea that we have to put somebody that, that people have seen in the movies before. They're not going to know who these people are. Yeah. Which part of the reason I, I love First Contact, I think, is also the fact that that's the first film that doesn't have any of the originals right. in it. It's just a next-gen cast. Right. Well, the problem and with Worf Star Trek, actually gets yeah. to kill people. I mean, it's awesome. The, the curse of Star Trek is that they suffer from, oh, you did really well with this budget. What happens if we cut it? And then, like, oh, well, we need a little, you know, it's like, well, you didn't do good this time. Let's give you a little bit more back. And, like, oh, you did well again. Especially when you look at something like you go from, like, Wrath of Khan to Star Trek Tree. It's like, okay, we're going to give you a little bit of a less of a budget. So yeah. you saw what happened. And then you move back, like, okay, Star Trek Four. you know what? You did well without the the high budget. Let's give some back to you. And then you jump to Star Trek Five. But even that, one of the things with Star Trek Four that makes it easier is because it takes place in, in, in modern times. So, right. you know, it's not as expensive to just go out and like, hey, just, we're just going to go down the street and yeah. shoot a shot of the, of the Nimitz. Yeah, sitting out in San Francisco and Bay. It's like, and, and especially when you go to Star Trek Four to Star Trek Five, it's like, well, you did okay with a less budget. Let's give you even less. Except they and slingshot they, it around, they had, the moon, around the sun. Yeah, so, but they had on. to cheap out on special effects for Star Trek Five yeah. because of Star Trek Four's lower budget budget i mean there was supposed to be like a like a there's a uh there's a scene in galaxy quest that is almost supposed to be like a parody of it uh kirk i think they even did it in the adaptation the comic adaptation of star trek 5 kirk and spock and mccoy are fighting like a rock monster on the surface of god of the prison mm-hmm. planet for the the god that's there yeah. it's like all right well you know oh you guys actually need more of a budget but we'll give you a little bit more we get here you get uh you can you can have some more characters and some more makeup and monsters the monsters and just now they just have one. as much budget as they want sure Sure. Well, yeah, you got that lens flare is expensive, dude. <laughs> I like that it, it got so bad. Even J.J. Abrams' wife had to yell at him about yeah. it, yes. and it's why he cut it down or claimed to. I'm sure the count is lower, but still. Well, yeah, that, that was just it. She said, "You've even gone overboard now. Gone too far. Take some of it out." And then he's like, "Well, I got Star Wars. I don't have to do this anymore. Goodbye, everybody." Yeah, yeah. Into Darkness, I don't think is as bad with the terms of the lens flare. But that's why, because she, she well, complained yeah, but, when know, she first saw the when look, she saw the first cut. He didn't. He never got as bad as Michael Bay got with shots at sunset, sunrise, with the flag in the back, and it takes place from someone's knees. <laughs> Straight up, and it's that slow 180 tracking shot as someone's like standing in the air and kind of turns around. No, but lens flares is also an easy way to hide CG mistakes, too. Yeah, but it's but see, there's a difference between hiding CG mistakes and having a style and then artificially doing it in your style, true. Which is when when he talks about well, Spielberg had lens flares and George Lucas has lens flares, it's because you know they were real lens flares, yes. Versus today, where he's like, now you know, go into go into Premiere yep. and hit the lens flare button and hide half of your crew behind a blue lens flare. Well, I remember that uh, was Raiders of the Lark had Raiders of the Lost Ark had some really good lens flares, it did. and they were real because they I mean, it was right there on you know. Yeah, and there are special lenses that you use yeah. to get the lens flare that you want, or to completely erase yeah, it. Yeah, and that, put the put the lighting in a certain position. Right. Yeah, those lens flares that went through all the Nazis at the end there. Those were- <laughs> Those are some nasty lens flares. <laughs> so, um... It's dangerous. The dangers of lens flares. Hey, lens flares do not like Nazis. <laughs> what you didn't see when they filmed Star Trek was all the dead crew members working on the film who got burned by the lens flares. Exactly. <laughs> right? That's why nobody talks about the first film, the making of, because yep. they all they all disappeared. <laughs> oh, we lost, we lost a gaffer and the best boy. Oh, they're, they're in the um, the, more, the memoriam. At the well, the whole credits, the, whole, the credits is all in memoriam. Yeah. just says in memoriam, and then it's like gaffer, even, best Even boy. the overseas CG animators, <laughs> yeah. when they got the footage back. They it just came right right out, right out of the screen, like something out of the ring. Like all the kids doing the back plates. Oh, poor and... 
That was like the only figure I had. Oh, a, a tote figure? Yeah, because they had that, that very short-lived Raiders of the Lost Ark line. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the only figure I had was tote. And he ended up being... Um, he ended up being like a, a short businessman with all my G.I. Joes. Really? Because he was like... He was just under three and three quarters. Like, he yeah. was shorter than a Joe. And uh, I lost his hat somewhere along the line. You're talking about the, the second one, not the original, original line. No, the original, original line. The very first Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. They had a, they had a very... Yeah. They're, they're super expensive. You can find them. Mint and box, man. They go for a ton of money. Yeah. The only one that I ever had was Tote in the black suit. And so I had, like, this one Indiana Jones figure, this one Raiders figure, and I had nothing else. So within... You know, a year, and I was one of those guys. Like, I never really mixed my stuff. Like, Star Wars never mixed with GI Joe or anything. But he worked out, and so he was like a Cobra henchman or something, or a Cobra businessman. I had Indy and, and the uh, the Nazi that he punches into the plane into the propeller. That guy was cool. Yeah, when, and then when they did Temple of Doom, they had the six inch figures, yeah. and I had I had a bunch of those. I had God knows how many I had of those guys. I had a bunch of those guys. I had the Thuggy, and I had Indy, and I had somebody else, and I was like, okay. But no, when they read it, when they read it, the line for Crystal Skull, the only good thing that came out of Crystal Skull is the fully articulated three and three quarter line. Yeah, because which you can still buy at uh, Disneyland. Really? They do still sell them. Wow. Um, in the because I got they're in the the outpost, the Indiana Jones outpost. I have to go look at that because yeah. I have an Indy and some made a like lot of those set. Toys. I know. <laughs> yeah, well that that uh, that tree cutter thing that they use in the in the jungle. Yeah, is a big thing on you know, on the Joe sites. And one of the times I went to Frankenstein's, I bought the um, the tank commander who looks uh-huh. fantastic, and a whole bunch of Russian soldiers, like five or six of them, and they're great as background pieces when you're doing dioramas or whatever. I'm like sure. these guys look fantastic. The dude, the the white tank commander is awesome, and they, and they have um, the motorcycle guy too. And I was like, yeah, that thing's awesome. <laughs> so that's the, the only good thing that came out of that is those those three and three quarter. I got to find it because the indie that I have is still in the box. Now I don't want to open it. I want to find an Indiana Jones so he can. Um, play around with Duke and Roadwalk and all those guys. They so, get sent back in time. Yeah. Chris, you don't play any of the like, the only uh, mobile games you play are like Bejeweled and things like that. You're not you're not playing any of the EA games, right? No, because one, I don't think my well, I'm sure my phone can handle it. But two, what I've noticed is that you don't do anything but play those games, <laughs> and it's bad enough that I'm sitting there today and I've got like ten minutes and I'm thinking I should probably try and read. A couple more comic books to try and catch up. No, I'm still going to play uh, Bejeweled Crush or whatever, whatever the new one is that basically became Candy Crush. I can't even remember the name of it. I'm looking it up because. Are I'm you playing it. Candy Crush again? Because I saw no, no, no. Because yeah, um, it came up that you needed like uh, some. No, there shouldn't be anything in there. Bejeweled Stars is basically Candy uh. Crush. Um, in a way, I'm playing EA because PopCap, which is, does Bejeweled, got bought out by EA. Right. So it comes up as the EA, and every time I see it, I, I look at that EA when it comes up on my screen. The first thing in my head is EA Sports. It's in the game, even though it's not a sports game. And then I play Bejeweled Crush, and now or whatever I just said, and it's killing me. And right. I just, I guess, addicted to just those little ones that are just very easy, and I can play for five minutes, and it's done. I played Crossy Road almost exclusively for a year. Because I was playing, I was playing Crossy Road last year in May, mm-hmm. and the only reason I stopped was that I, I did this new Bejeweled one, and I'm like, I can't stop playing this. Well, the reason I brought it up was because EA just started their uh, play to give promotion that's supposed to, I guess, tie into right. E3 this week. So what it is is they've picked five of their games, and Sebastian, you play Battlefront, Star Wars I, Battlefront. I do play Battlefront on occasion. Yeah, so that's one of the games. So what it is is they've they're taking this opportunity to 
what they said, put it as celebrate the gaming community. Yes. Um, and they want to give back. So between June 12th and June, was it 15th? I think so. Um, Until this Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday right. this week. Which would be the 15th, yeah. yeah. So they're going to donate a total of $1 million to um, five different organizations that they that they want to honor. Uh, Code.org, Code 2040, He for She, National uh, Center for Women and Information Technology. That's just a mouthful for that one. And Special Effect. So they're, they're going to, the way that it is is, if you play the challenges for these five games that they've come up with, then every time you play, it accumulates with everybody else to the donation. Um, so they, they pick Battlefront 4, Star Wars Battlefront, uh, or excuse me, Battlefield 4, Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars uh, Galaxy of Heroes, FIFA 16, and Madden, six, or Madden NFL. Madden NFL 16, that just kind of sounds weird to say it like that. Because they usually call it just like Madden 15, Madden 16. You usually don't put the NFL in there. Oh, the NFL's going to. The NFL's <laughs> not going to let you not put that in there. I guess. So if you if you do different achievements or different, you know, um, challenges or whatever, then that will accumulate. Like Star Wars uh, Battlefront. If you play the any of the multiplayers between June 12th and June 14th, uh, you, can, you can get uh, three times the scoring event. And you can also triple your credits that you earn for each game that you play. It's a little bit of slacktivism, but it's a fun way. It's better than you know not doing anything. Yeah, I guess. No, I mean, you made fun. a good point earlier that why did you just donate a million dollars? Yeah, yeah, Chris, yeah, 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 something like that. When you're you're EA and you've got all that, just just donate the money. But it's you also know? to encourage people to play the game. No, I know, but that's the thing: is encouraging people to play the game is just helping your bottom line. I mean, that's. I understand right. what this thing is. I mean, it's not in a way like Force for Change. Force for Change isn't asking you to go. You know, as many times as you go see Force for Change, we'll match your sixteen dollar ticket as a donation to UNICEF. It was something like, no, you give us money, we'll match it. The people that are doing it, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go see Force for you know Force Awakens anyway. Sure. You know, it wasn't something where they're saying, well, if you're on the fence, if you go see Force Awakens, we'll donate some money for you. So in this case, it, it you get. I th- I feel you get enough press and enough good press for simply making the donation, right? You know, we talk about in terms of, of charity and stuff like that. What happens if the gamers refuse to play? Yeah, <laughs> well, see here's I'm not going to help some stupid charity. But see here's what's funny with uh, uh, Galaxy of Heroes, the Star Wars one. Right, it's basically a pay to play game. Yes. you know, you you have so many. Yeah. Crystals yeah, like, of I, don't, I don't even know what the hell that is. It, it's one where you you get basically your characters and you put five of them against other another five of them and you build up their uh, their you know, their experience and their powers and whatever to try to make the strongest. Is it a console team. game? No, no, no. no, no. It's, it's, it's a mobile. Oh, so all the other stuff are all the other ones. Are all the other ones are console. So that's the, the only one. I'm sure. I mean, in terms of the way that mobile gaming exploded, I mean, so a, a company like EA. Making sure that they bought something like PopCap or or merged with them or whatever happened in order for them to to now be partners, um, I'm shocked that they don't have mm-hmm. more mobile games in that because that's where if they're saying we want people to play the games, that's where the that that gaming thing is. I mean right. that that avenue of gaming has exploded exponentially in a way that I don't think anybody ever expected. It's dumb not to expect that we're all sitting here on our phones anyway. Sure, you know we're all looking for it. And the fact now that no matter what you do or where you go, if you have two minutes, you can't not pick up your phone. Right. With the Galaxy of Hero one, you know it's it's 
you deploy a squad of the most powerful female characters that you have in the game against droids. The problem is, if you don't have them, you don't get to participate. The only way to get them then would be to spend real dollars right. to try yeah, well, to get them. The reason that I play the games that I do is it, it's none of it requires somebody else. Right. The reason I stopped playing, we played the Jurassic Park tap game or yeah. whatever, and the Simpsons tap game, and it just became, I need other people or I have to buy stuff, and that's right, not huh? what I'm interested in. Bejeweled, whatever, start. it's free, and that's it. Yeah. And there's nothing, like, if you want to, you can buy coins, or, like, in terms of Bejeweled Blitz, or, or the regular Bejeweled games, if you want to, you can buy coins, or you can be persistent like me, and end up, over the last four years, having well over 10 million coins, from just playing the game so much. So you could pretty much buy whatever you want at any point. But with that game, do you also have a limit of how many plays you have at a certain time? Then you have to let it regenerate? Some places, um, some games do, but I don't think... Candy Crush does, so does Be- Bejeweled Stars does the same thing. Right, because that so way they have, try yeah, to get you, you to buy them. You, yeah, you, you can buy the lives, to. or you, uh-huh. can, you connect yourself to Facebook, and then i got to flood everybody with, give me a life. Or yeah. I did it with Candy Crush because everybody I knew was playing Candy Crush. I got in just about the same time as, as everybody else. And I kept getting them, and I limited my list. There was like four or five people that sure. would do it. But within, I mean, much like, again, the other problem with these games, something like uh, Draw with Friends and Word with Friends and all that stuff, you check out of those games within two weeks. So if once everybody else checks out, like Trivia Crack. Trivia Crack was fantastic. The problem with it is I got into it about four weeks after everybody else did, and within four weeks later, nobody I knew was still playing that game. Yeah. So nobody plays that game, and so now you're like, well, there's nothing I can do. Also, people stopped playing because I kept kicking their butts. But, but do you think that this is a... Because we all know that E3 starts officially Monday. Monday. Uh, well, I guess I guess technically they they say it's the 14th through the 16th, but Monday is when you have you know your your Xbox conference, right. you have a lot of the other... You know, Ubisoft and all those will be... So yeah, technically... Like the, the floor isn't open or the something? The floor like, doesn't open until the 14th. Yeah, but it's the the, con, the the fingers are connected. But that's actually right. a segue to the next topic. So let's finish this one with, yeah. in terms of it. But, well, it, that's why I was going with this. It's is, not yeah. a bad thing. It, I mean, no, it's, it's not, not a bad thing. It's not thing. sitting here, I'm not like, oh, it's so shallow. At least they're going to donate the money or whatever. But understand that there's another, motiva- there's another motivation to it other than just we're going to look for really good charities and be able to give money sure. to Sure. Right. Do you think they should have done it as, hey, you know, since E3 is this week, we're going to we're going to celebrate gamers and and promote it more of a of a not just a give back, but as a overall um, industry wide type, you know, celebration. Well, do you, or do you think if it's you're doing something like this and there there are realistic issues within the gamer community that that need attention with. What, what was like one of the last ones that you you, you said it was like there was a women or something like that National Center for Women and Information Technology. So it's, yeah. a, it's a STEM charity. Yeah, so something like that. If you want to call attention during E three, we should be calling attention to, you know, not just the fact that hey, we're going to make another Titanfall in six years. Not that oh, we swear Battlefront two will have a regular. To actually start a conversation of saying these type of things should be happening. Sure. Or we want these things to happen and, and, and everything, then yeah. I mean, that's that's if you're bringing awareness, you know, I always hate that word awareness. But we're all aware of AIDS. I don't need some charity to tell me, hey, AIDS is out there. Um, to bring that sort of conversation starting, right, is is perfectly fine. And again, you know, it, no one's going to do it in complete uh, altruism. They're all going to try and get something out of right. it. But 
There could be worse things. Yeah, I mean, it's PR for them, but as as the person who's more entrenched in gamer culture, I'm this feels very corporate to me. And I say that mostly because I watch Twitch and mm-hmm. I watch the Extra Life streams, which Extra Life is a charity and they do 24-hour live streams of games and people donate throughout the live stream to watch people make certain marks in the game. How fast can they complete it? Oh, they're going to try and do a really long game in 24 hours? That's insane. Uh, the other one that I also watch is Games Done Quick, where it's speedrun charities. Right. Where, you know, you get to actually watch somebody beat Super Mario 3, and they're going to try and beat the speedrun challenge of, like, 8 minutes, or mm-hmm. Legends of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and the, the, the fastest time is 30 minutes, and you get to, you get to cheer oh, on the yeah. person... You get to cheer on the person playing the game, but also donate to charity... Uh, Able Gamers is another great gamer charity where they help out disabled gamers to create peripherals and help them get situations that allow them to play the games easier. Yeah. And though they also do, again, live streams where they have their donation thing. You're watching the live stream, watching some of the more famous gamers within, like Speedrunners and 24 Yeah, God was there for a while. Didn't they have something that they, they used to have like a... a- 24-hour challenge or something where it's like you create a comic book in 24 hours. Yes, they did. Like it's handoff stuff and it's the same sure, sort of thing. The same, right? I do, same type of thing. I, I do exactly remember yeah. that. And that's one of those things where it's like the gaming community already does so much and I feel like I feel like and, and this is more of a this is because we're having a discussion about it. I feel like that would have been the more interesting way to go about it because gamers they'll do good on their own terms and I feel like they already do so much good when it's like yeah, we're going to watch a guy beat we're going to watch a guy beat, uh, you know, Legends of Zelda Ocarina in time in 30 minutes. Let's start donating. You know, we've got, like, the, the goal is $10,000. Let's do it, everybody. And right. You have, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 people watching and all chipping in a buck or two. Sometimes you get somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to throw down 100. Yeah. So, so gamers are already, I think, very charitable. You mentioned live streaming. Did you notice that today EA did a live stream of their, their entire conference, press conference for E3? Which was new. I mean, we've been seeing where they've been doing these conferences either they've on YouTube or on their own networks or something. But a live stream one seems to be the more logical approach. And something that I could see happening yeah, throughout was, this entire conference. What were they live streaming through? Live, it, I mean, the live stream network on, on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. So which, they're doing Facebook Live. Which basically, no, which. Yeah. More people watched it on Twitch through other people because they, yeah. they uh, EA allowed people to restream, sure, so they could have live. Because yeah, commentary. The, the idea of streaming these isn't new. I mean, we've been watching it for the last few. Well, years. and we've, we've been, been talking here. about yeah. E three. I mean, Comic Con needs to be doing that, and they're they're kind of testing that this year, right? Facebook, but, yeah, Comic Con's trying it. I'm I was surprised. I mean, because EA, they're going to make a partnership with a big company like Facebook, even though Twitch mm-hmm. is owned by Amazon, which is even bigger. Uh, so I watch I watch the live stream with Total Biscuit, and he's one of the biggest gamers on planet Earth. He has like two million YouTube followers. Right, uh, it's insane. And I got to watch him, and I got to watch Dodger. I think I saw some of that one on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, they, he, they, he, they, he then reposts. They, uh, yeah, um, but it does. It brings me to one of the things we were going to talk about tonight is that if if this live streaming takes off, where companies are going to start doing this. And wanting people to tune in, does that mean that they're going to now start even leaking more information or, or, um, or releasing more information ahead of time? You know, we've we've seen a trend for, we call it a trend. You know, but Xbox 360 was done like this. Xbox One, um, Comic Con has. Yeah, it's, it's not just in gaming. Like, this is this is the debate 
slash reasoning last year for Marvel skipping Marvel films skipping SDCC. Right. I mean, if you're EA, you're one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. You don't have to go to E3. I mean, you used to have to bring everybody to you. Sure. If you were Nintendo and PlayStation and and Microsoft and EA and Ubisoft and and whatever, you needed this event because you're like, we need to take journalists in quotes in terms of video games. Um, but that's my personal bias. No, no, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, we, I follow we, this. We had this just. We had this last year. This whole discussion because I was the one like as the outsider going. I don't understand this. This is like the of all the media journalism that you get, this puts like comic book bloggers to shame. How sure. terrible it is. Anyway, you used to have to bring everybody to you. You're uh-huh. like, we're gonna put set this week up. There's a reason why it used to be, you know, industry only. It's like the whole reason for this to exist is we have to find a way to reach as many people as we can, and we can't just keep going to other places. So we do this. DC did this in WonderCon with the, the announcement of Rebirth. Why did they stream it? Well, they streamed it because they want people to see their announcements as themselves. If you're EA, you don't need E3 anymore. You've got thousands of ways, even as Sebastian just mentioned. All you have to do is let the 10 biggest YouTube, you know, live streaming, whatever sure. gamers in the world know on March 10th at 10 a.m., we're going to have a conference about what we're releasing for the rest of the year. And you get that out early enough, that word's going to go, and everyone's going to see it. But see, you made, when you, you made a comment of, with, uh, and it was a perfect example, uh, at WonderCon, DC waited to make their Rebirth announcements and, and their, their introduction to Rebirth. They waited until they were actually at the event to do it. They didn't do it ahead of time. You see with a lot of these same type of conferences, you see it at, at, uh, you know, at, at Toy Fair, at NAMM, at uh, CES. They wait to, to they're at these conventions to make their announcements of these they things. They do because that's when people expect them. What we're seeing is that trend changing. DC did it because DC's never done anything like this before. Right. This was really the first. They're, they're dipping their toes. Marvel Films last year held their El Capitan event mm-hmm. to announce this is what we're doing going forward. Their live stream event. That's the second time they've done that outside of a major convention or con or right. what have you. Marvel's now getting to this point where Marvel Films is saying... We can do whatever we want, whenever we want. The word will get out. Media will pick it up. Um, fans will pick it up. Bloggers, vloggers, people who have you know huge numbers on Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook or whatever, followers, it's going to be there. You, in terms of Marvel, you've got directors and actors who have millions of followers. So you, you just tax to their accounts. We're going to announce everything that Marvel's going to do. Lucasfilm can do this with Star Wars. Lucasfilm doesn't need to sure. doesn't need to announce stuff at Celebration. They hold stuff for Celebration to get people to go to Celebration. Marvel has no interest in whether San Diego has 250,000 people or 25,000 people right. in terms of the film. They don't care. Because now they can reach a million, two million, three million people live so basically all around what you're the saying, world. With, with, a con- with a convention like... E3 or with... Um, as, as you see, the San companies Diego. get bigger than the cons. They can remove themselves. But they're, they're, more, they're more now fan events other than... Yes, and for, a... they're for smaller. If, you, if you're an indie gamer, you want to be at E3 because people are still going to come to E3. Publishers whether, whether, and whether, Yeah, whether EA or, or, or um, uh, 
who makes World Ubisoft, of Warcraft? Ubisoft, whatever. Blizzard. These, Blizzard. Blizzard has its own con. Right. It doesn't need E3. If you're an independent publisher, if you're if you're if you're restarting Activision, you need people to come to you. Sure. If you're EA, Blizzard, Ubisoft, if you're Sony, Microsoft, even Nintendo, you don't need people to come to a spot. You don't need a, a, an excuse to do it. You can do it at any point. If Nintendo were to say at any point, we have a major announcement and we're making it on August 3rd, then people will wait till August 3rd. Right. They don't have to worry about E3. So, and, and you mentioned that, but that's actually what Nintendo does. Nintendo does like a monthly live stream news event for anything they have to cover, and you can just go to Nintendo.com and watch it live. Yeah, a lot of places have this sort of thing. As we were talking about earlier... What it does now is, as you have, we were talking about this in terms of the thread that we were discussing topics uh-huh. with, as you have now potentially thousands upon thousands of quote-unquote journalists, bloggers, uh, YouTube stars, yeah. podcasters, who all then potentially have thousands and thousands of sources, as a corporate company, you want to control your message, you have to do it immediately. We talked about... Yeah, in terms of the stuff coming out early, and the reason we're talking about it is that both EA and um, what was the one tonight that you talked about? It's for, uh, Bethesda. Bethesda had their conferences a day before EA, uh, before E, or two days before E3 even officially opens. Correct. And they didn't even do them from wherever. They didn't do them for, from LA. Well, no, they, they did. did. They did. Was, did they do no, it? The, uh, EA was EA that... was across between LA and London. London. Okay, so there you go. You've got places in London that you could do. We talked about Marvel for whatever it was, two or three years ago, announcing the week before Comic-Con that um, Thor would be returning as a woman, as the character in the comic. Sure. And the reason they did it was because previews was coming out that week, the week before Comic-Con, because Comic-Con was late. And they wanted to get their message out early before fans started seeing it in other places. Right. So they came out on The View... And told everyone, hey, Thor's going to be a woman, and Cap's going to be black, and Iron Man's going to be even more of a douche. They're controlling their message. Marvel Films announcing, here's the 70 films we've got coming in the next four years. We're going to announce it on our own, because we don't want it to start leaking that they're going to do Guardians 2, that they're going to do Ant-Man and Wasp 2. All this information comes out. They're not going to wait three months. If they decide in February, we're going to make Ant-Man and Wasp, they're not going to wait until Comic Con to announce it because more than likely, you know, Conebone69 at AOL.com and his podcast of superness is going to find somebody who says, well, the rumor is Marvel's going to announce Ant Man and Wasp too. So but as soon think- as you know, as soon as you know as a company, you throw it out there. Do you think it's different for, for, the, um, Lack of a better word, pop culture or nerdism or, or geeks or you know gamers. Do you think it's because there's more and more cons or conventions for you know each of those type of things? Whereas the car industry really only has one or two. The the toy industry only has a couple. The music the industry is different. I mean, there's, but, but there's all not... these things only have and an, you know one or two conventions that they have. They have one in the United States or a couple in the United States and then one in Europe. And that's where they make their announcements. But they don't of... wait until, you know, like Hasbro could come out in, in October of each year and say, hey, here's our line for 2017. Well, in a way, Hasbro already does it. Hasbro was announcing stuff through JoeCon. Hasbro sure. was announcing stuff through their website for, for Transformers. But the majority of the show, first They images don't show the, the exclusives at, at Toy Fair anymore. 
We don't know the exclusives for San Diego. Right. They weren't revealed at Toy Fair this year because Hasbro's like, we're not going to reveal it at Toy Fair. Yeah. We don't they, even have a big presence at Toy Fair because they're still, toy, they're, they're going through, apparently they're going through turmoil in their boys' line as to what to do. Um, it's, it's, you want to know, whatever you have, you want to control the message. So you're going to put it out there on your own. In terms of cars, they're just there's not three thousand podcasts dedicated right. to cars. Right. Well, there's I mean, not. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there are. But there, there are. But I don't think this is much. We we have a review show, commentating. Uh-huh. Listen to us. Um, <laughs> we're probably one point nine millionth review show of comics on on the web. Right. You can. There's thousands of people that are coming out there going, "You should rate this, and if you rate this, you're terrible." But you're the best, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 we're the we're, best. We're the yeah, best. Nobody here told now. me there was going to be boasting. Um. <laughs> well, see, I think the bigger issue is that it's not a matter of there being a lot of cons, because especially with car com- car companies always announce cars. They don't wait for uh, something like the LA Auto Show to make car announcements. They'll do it on their own time, and that's something they've done for a long time. We've like, and it's also kind of isn't it kind of reg- not regulated, but it's kind of the same every year. I mean, you're doing model years, it's right? Not, you're doing model years, you know. So it's more about, something it's like more something like movies as we've talked about. Marvel films could skip last year because they don't have anything to talk about. But even Marvel like, films may go this year because they have something they sure. want to talk see, about. See, I don't think it's a matter of scale for cons, mostly because the world is different than yes. it was even 20 years ago. Because globalization, 10 years ago, 10 years globalization has changed because of the internet. Your audience is no longer, no longer necessary. It's no longer necessary for your audience to go to a convention to get their information because your audience isn't confined to a hundred thousand people in a building. Your audience is global and you can get the message out whenever you want on, uh, you say your own terms, but I think the reason, you know, even more so, Celebration also li- uh, uh, they live streamed their panels too. Oh yeah, oh, no, make, to made, make it an event. That's but they, the, the but thing they didn't the release only... that information. You didn't see Rogue One trailer released. Well, everybody knew Rogue One was coming though. But what I'm saying, but you you didn't see those trailers released like like you see nowadays, or even you know. Uh, the trailer is going to be released on such and such day. Instead of waiting for such and such day, all of a sudden it's showing up two days you're earlier. Building, you're building hype, though. The yeah, Star that's... Wars trailer did not premiere until that morning at the convention. Right. Chewie, we're home. But again, again that wasn't you, a, have, you didn't you know have that. a convention as Lucasfilm that you're controlling. Right. Sure. Luke, you're, everything in that convention is overseen by Lucasfilm. No but matter think... what. Hold on. No matter what it was. To hold it for that event, you're already having that event. What I'm talking about is something like... Comic-Con, WonderCon, Emerald City, New York City, PopCon, all of this type of stuff. There's no reason to wait for a con that is not yours right? in order to bring out the – Celebration is there. That whole point of Celebration was we have the whole cast. We're going to talk about Episode 7. It's the first new movie in 15 mm-hmm. years. So on and so forth. The audience did 10 years, 11 years. There, they use that as a vessel to get everybody there, it, and it, it was a huge success. It, yeah, but it, when is, you, it is, re- but here's it, it is releasing the information on their own terms because it's their own convention. Image has the Image Expo where they make big comic announcements because yeah. they own their own convention, and that yeah, we them. saw that we saw that this year. Every new Image comic for like the next year and a half. <laughs> it's true though. No, Almost everything that big name creators were working on was announced at, at Image Expo. They didn't announce that at WonderCon. They're not going to announce them. There's nothing that's going to be announced at, 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 at Comic-Con. We've seen it the last two, three years. There's no big news that comes out of Comic-Con. Right. The biggest thing that ends up coming out is usually 
a smaller company or a smaller film franchise or something that makes a bit of a splash like there was like 10 years ago in which something comes out of left field. They you need the exposure. To, you you go come to, to Comic-Con it used to be, you come to Comic-Con expecting the the this is the Avengers and then you see the Godzilla trailer and go, "Oh my god, that looked much better sure. than we thought." Now, you don't need the Avengers. The Avengers aren't going. Yeah, Marvel's when, not going. When you look at a con they're going this year. When you look like a convention like uh CES Samsung, Sony, and all those with all their electronics and stuff don't make their announcements ahead of time. They wait till their their keynote at that con to make their announcements. That physical type of is it, it's a consumer electronics show, sure. and it's such a broad base. It's not dedicated to just one thing. It's not oh, this is all the new TVs. I mean, you have everything. Right. right. If it's connected to technology, it's there. Right. And again. You're still bringing people to you, but you're, you're talking even some, if you're. But that's the thing is if you're if you're Samsung, uh-huh. you don't you're, need it. You could do a Samsung con, but here's the but, thing but about you, that though: you, you really can't because it's not a media brand. There's a difference between something that's producing entertainment content, and that's where I was getting with it. Yeah, if you have entertainment content, that's different than we're trying to sell product. If you're right. selling, if you're selling physical product, then unless you're Apple. CES is the place to be because you're getting reporters. You're still getting reporters from all over the place that come in. Someone like me is going to watch KTLA the week after CES and their tech guru or whatever is going to show me the new drone, the new gigantic TV, the new, you know, refrigerator that, yeah, that, that, that does that gets up on its legs and walks to your house or whatever, that type of stuff. Video games is different. There, it is a physical, but it's all entertainment product. But that's and where I was getting. Have... The difference between consumerism and entertainment yeah. is to it seems like still entertainment stuff but... is coming out quicker. Wanting we want to know ahead of time. But again, before there's we still get there. there's there's as many tech podcasts as there are. It's nothing like how many movie, TV, comic book, video game books. Oh podcasts. no, you're you're right. How, you're many, how many clicks are generated by a brand new Samsung 4K? Look at look at. E3. E3 is the same thing. We know sequels to these big games are coming. We know there's going to be another Halo. We know there's going to be another this or another that. When you get to E3, it's not so much the announcement is, hey, we're doing something new. It's we're finally going to show you the first teaser for whatever the next game it's is. Come to come to our panel or come to yeah. our, our, we went know, to, our section so that the, way instead of going somewhere else because you get, know what's going to come yeah, now. What did we get announced at Celebration last year? Nothing. They showed you the trailer to a movie that you already was knew was coming in episode seven. They showed you the season premiere of Rebel season two that mm-hmm. you already knew was coming. They showed you Rebel products one, yeah. that we already knew was coming. There was no real announcement. That sort of announcement thing doesn't come from these types of things anymore. Right. Not in any sort of bulk. Right. There's, Lucasfilm is not. You would hope. Do you think that's at, good at or bad? somewhere in celebration? I think it's bad because I think it takes away for some of these events. You would rather see the the announcements. You know, Winter Soldier was announced on stage at San Diego mm-hmm. three years ago, four years ago, as a complete so much of a complete surprise. Ed Brubaker had no idea they were announcing it until right. he saw it. It's like, hey, that's mine. Um, those times, if you got to celebration this year and they announced that the next anthology film after Episode Eight is Boba Fett, and that's on the screen, and you get to live stream it and all of that. That's awesome. Rather than Sony or Lucasfilm released a press release today, and the next film is Boba Fett. No right. word yet if anyone's replaying it, but there's your next film. No, I, I, mean, I agree. I, 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 I like that. I like, yeah, like that, 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 that event. That that type of that that buzz, and that's what the reason that you live stream this stuff and you're getting people in. There is still that thrill of seeing it right away, rather yes. than 
in the morning someone calls you and says, hey, at 9 o'clock at night, we're going to watch the EA thing that's going right now. You have to live stream it anyway because there's too many people that are going to ruin it for you, that sort of thing. One of the reasons we wanted to go to the Rebirth event at, at WonderCon so much is that you and I wanted to see it live. Mm-hmm. We were tweeting it live. Yes. Because I didn't want to sit there on my phone for the rest of the day and go, oh, Greg Rucka's doing Wonder Woman. That's awesome. Oh, look, Nightwing's coming back and he's wearing the blue. Right. Cool. And now, instead, we were there and there in, in that room having the editor of Batman, having Jeff Johns there telling you, hey, Nightwing's coming back. We're putting him back in the blue costume. We made a mistake with the red. Greg Rucka's doing doing Wonder Woman. That was a complete surprise. Right. right. It was like, here's the Wonder Woman. We knew Wonder Woman was going to be a part of Rebirth. It's written by Greg Rucka and it's drawn by Liam Sharp. And what? I'm sitting there going, holy crap, we got Green Arrow's getting his goatee back. Because the best Green Arrow stories are, are goatee stories. You know, yeah, that's the Canary are back. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that's... And even with that, DC still let everybody know, hey, we're going to talk about our relaunch exactly. at WonderCon. And well, everyone went, oh, okay, there's going to be a relaunch coming. It's called Rebirth. We had uh, we had that we had that uh, you you guys have it uh, on that mouse pad in the store yeah the the teaser image with sure. with the Superboy and uh, Wally West two and mm-hmm. Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and is that his official name Wally West two well because they're both going to coexist as far as we know and they're both Wally West and they're both Wally they're West cousins they're they're cousins both named after their grandfather yes. which is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wally no, but, West A and Wally West B. Look, oh. they're already setting up what, the what, oh, 2025 oh, event. Oh, okay, you're uh, I, A and B, not black. I know. If he would have said W and B, it would have been worse. Wally West A and Wally West One. <laughs> one and one A. Um, I'm looking at some of this and going, DC's already setting up the 2025 Crisis on Infinite Earths event. Well, because you look at, it, I mean, they, they have so many different universes now. I mean, it's going to be fun for a while, but I, I can just see them as a company getting to that point where, like, oh, we got to kind of trim the the, the, the things. Again, okay, so that's wrapping this up, one last question: with live streaming these events, um, I know that they've talked about with Comic Con Hall H stuff, not wanting to live stream them because they they feel it's taking away from those people that have stood in line and watched it or been there for or at, actually no, at I think the they panel. think that people aren't going to show up to those panels at all. But look at what happened at Celebration. The opening keynote was supposed to be live streamed, and they ended up filling up three rooms. For people still to watch it, right. you had to watch it on your phone. I didn't know I didn't even. There's watch a it. there's a different experience between being there and watching it on a live yeah. stream, and that's something that even I agree. I, even, and, that's and something that even first, I will admit. The first Star Wars film in eleven years is different than asking people to show up for Universal telling you. Not even that, but Universal telling you that they're going to do Godzilla versus King Kong. But still, you know, if you're there, you get some, you know, you get whatever little giveaway get, they're giving. Yeah, but you also but you, get, yeah, they can all, but here's the thing, and what the ridiculousness of it, because I remember when uh, 20th Century I, Fox I, made the announcement. Personally, I agree. Yes. I think they should live stream all that stuff. I don't think, I think at this point with how big everything is, you want to give that, and, and the companies want to give this access to everybody. Uh-huh. This idea of showing a trailer, the Guardians trailer three years ago, that immediately, no one could see it for Four months. Right. I mean, Marvel was aggressively destroying websites that had any piece of footage from that that trailer. There's no point to that well, anymore. Well, it's 20th Century Fox that said they're right. not going to be showing any trailers this year. DC because... did the same thing, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, and, but and here, here's the here's sort of the 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 but like especially as a young person, the backwards attitude of it is like 
somebody who's going to want to see uh, X-Men title, uh, not yet titled, right. you know, is going to go there. Sinister be- Days. It's because they're going to go see, because maybe Hugh Jackman will be there, right. and Brian Singer. They're in the same room with sure. these people. But the other thing, too, is the, the petulance of, like, well, it's not special anymore. It's like, no, it's special for the people who are there. <laughs> and the idea... But you're right. Yeah. No, you're completely correct. Sitting there in, in the keynote, even though I wasn't in the main room, Right, sitting there with another thousand fans watching everything take place on the screen, seeing all, you know all. You have to do. It's still special. You have to do something special. Star Wars, in that case, Episode Eight announcement sort of thing for that has to be different than Episode Seven. I'll tell you what difference is. We're closing this. Well, but what I wanted to continue on was that, like, especially if you're going to have that and you're going to live stream it and record it, even if you don't do the whole panel on the internet, throw the trailer up on YouTube monetize it, you know, get your, mm-hmm. get your 30 million views in 20 minutes and make, you know, it's basically a buck every thousand views. Make some cash on it, man. Right. Some people have suggested showing the panel, but not showing the trailers. See, I go the other way around. Like, no, show, I'll take a trailer. I don't, you know, if they're going to do a talk, like, I'll watch, you know, whatever. I watch YouTube with the ads. Make it an unskippable ad. Uh-huh. Let the let it play through, and then boom! I got YouTube my trailer. Let's skip all So, in terms of you in, in, terms of, in terms of like makes what, what makes, makes the you're, difference? You're, you're a corporation. Make some money off of these trailers. Mo money, mo money, mo money. And I look at the situation with Guardians. Like that's four months of potentially lost revenue yeah. for a trailer you could have made money on that people were desperate to see. Right, and the, it's like build hype. Don't don't hurt your audience by by it's like well you can't see you're not worthy of seeing it because you weren't yeah because you weren't a Comic Con. The Make Batman it, I mean, we've seen that was with, the same thing. With, with exclusives and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's gotten to the, the... The zygist has changed to people feeling like they're being punished for not being able to go to Comic-Con. Right. And you want to... I, I think it's in everyone's best interest to get rid of that idea. There's still something special about going to, one, uh, to, to that type of event like Comic-Con and stuff like that. The difference is, is you have to have companies that do something special that's live. Whether you're watching it, it's feels fantastic, but to be there. You the one that, I, you the one that I always point to is when Tom Hiddleston came out as Loki. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he walks out in character, screaming at the audience, I got chills watching it. My friend Francis went to it, and he said it was incredible. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a surreal religious experience for him. It was so different. There is a difference between being. It's the same thing when, when I talk to Eric about sporting events. You know, and I'll be like, let's go, to, let's go to a game. He's like, I can just watch it at home. Yeah. And I always point to him. I said, remember we went to that Dodger game? And Fernando Tatis hit two grand slams in the same inning off the same pitcher, which is akin to being hit by lightning three times. Mm-hmm. We saw that live in the stadium. We're, we're watching Dodger fans stand up and giving him a standing ovation going, that should be impossible. There is the, 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 the odds of you coming up to bat with the bases loaded twice in one inning are so high anyway, in addition to the fact that you have to get to that second at bat and the same pitcher hasn't been pulled out of the game is nearly impossible. It will never, ever, ever, ever happen again under the current rule system. It just isn't going to happen. And I just look at like every moment that you have in a sporting event, in a con, in one of these type of events can be that moment that you're never going to. Last to year, J.J. Abrams giving the concert to, the, to all the people. That Pissing attended. off Kevin Smith. And That's I- the best. <laughs> you were there to see Kevin Smith get legitimately pissed off <laughs> at the director of Star Wars for screwing up his con. Something like that. You live stream that event, 
you still don't get to go to the concert. Right. So there you, you still, go. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to think there's, there's going to be a way it's going to be a difference. Being there is not going to be enough anymore. So you're going to see companies do special things in order to, to maximize the experience in house, mm-hmm. but you don't want to penalize everybody who's sitting there going and not, you're also penalizing yourself. Comic-Con HQ is coming. They're going to str- they're going to stream it and there's going to be unskippable ads. If you want to watch the hall H coverage, if that's what they decide to do, you're going to see at if Universal buys every minute between panels because you've got time between. So if you're sitting there watching it for two hours and you're going to see the Universal panel and you're going to see the Warner Brothers panel, Universal will pay Comic-Con a million dollars to show their trailer for whatever their next big film is in between every single panel for three for three days. And there's nothing. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with it because, no, like I said before, it's like, look, it. If people want, why, why give why, people what they want? want. And you, you said it best. It, it feels like you're punishing yep. your, you're, you're punishing the potential base of viewers for not being there when the world is different. A lot of your audience, especially, there's no reason to not. There's be no there reason to not. Yeah. Video wise, right, sure, right, and especially as to how easy it is to live stream stuff. Right, now. but it's also a matter of like, like as as the current generation of people, even younger than me, grow up. That is even more the norm. I I am happy that there's live stream, but then again, I've been watching Apple live streams for for like six, seven years, right? You know, and they've done it from even before that because they had their QuickTime protocols. But even then, with stuff like comic, like if I miss a convention, like I didn't go to any of the panels at Celebration. I only went for one day, but I could live stream the rest of them. Yeah, and I could watch the recap. I, I think YouTube. I think Celebration is going is setting a new standard for comic. sure. But as an Apple guy, like uh, tomorrow is uh, tomorrow for us, anyways, is the Worldwide Developers Conference. They're going to announce all their new software. They may throw down some hardware, uh-huh. and um, you know that's Apple doing it on their terms. But I can watch it, and I don't feel punished for not being one of the. The two thousand yeah. people who paid five hundred bucks for a Apple's ticket. the type of company that can do that. And tomorrow right. you can also watch the Xbox keynote. Yes, exactly. And I'm probably going to watch it. Uh, you can watch it on Xbox Live with the Xbox. You can watch it. You uh, can watch it on Xbox you, Live. And really, you can I mean, watch gaming, it on your phone. You yeah. can watch it. Gaming on, companies, these type of media companies, really took the lead in this. I mean, this is the reason that G4 doesn't exist anymore. Sure. Right. Everything that G4 used to have is now online. G4 but you can used also to cover watch Spike's E3. coverage tomorrow too. There you go. But, but Spike is a channel what, that exists Spike, for other reasons. What's, what's G, Spike? <laughs> G4 existed for this type of no, thing. No, you're, you're G, right. All G4 wanted to G4 do was cover E3 and, and CES. And when you got to the point where everything that they were showing live on E3, people were watching on their phones and their laptops at work, uh-huh. all of a sudden, you don't have a reason to have it on there. Right. There's like, why are we doing this? And you saw it just completely disappear. Well, even when they did Comic-Con, too. That, you yeah. Know, that was only so much before it's like, yeah, but every other... Every they got they with, got to Comic Con way too late. Yeah, with every they, they jumped in yeah, way too late. Every blogger with a website can post the information, and mm-hmm. it'll be the same. And it was, as that was a, that very small well, that's just it. And especially once they're they're once you lost a lot of their their like really high end personalities. Once basically when Olivia Munn left or was forced out or whatever you want to talk, there was like the the whole thing for G four being at Comic Con was the only reason that anybody wanted to be anywhere around the G four booth at Comic Con was because oh look there's hot chicks oh those those shots you'd see those shots you see those guys in the background just like. Like something out of a, out of the when stereotypical. Olivia Munn's a phone. That was the biggest mistake of putting the glass, you know, right oh, there. Where, that's why they finally went up to where they well, were. Yeah, no, high the, level. the first year that they were like they just had a base. It was like yeah. a stage. It was a small little, you know, it was two feet off the ground, and you just didn't go there. Yeah, you just didn't go anywhere around there. They were right they in just, the front. They, they were, just put the thing, in, and that was before even they were the the last like two or three years they were there when they were shooting upstairs and then they were shooting downstairs also. 
everyone from G3 was there just getting rid Okay, you stay. You're G4. in costume. You stay. G4, whatever. You stay. You get out. No, you're a nerd. Get out of here. No, you look like you live in mom's basement. Go. You have glasses. Get out of here. Oh wait, you're oh, yeah. you're, you're dressed you, in a three hundred. Can we can we uh, borrow can we come borrow here. those two booth babes over there? It, it, come on in, yeah, yeah. I want you to stand here. You know, I mean, it's all processed anyway. But sure, it's like the Top Gear audience. They always yeah, uh, yeah. before the new Top What's Gear. Top Gear. Yeah, Matt LeBlanc has saved that show. I don't know if you've seen the ad. That's uh, what they keep telling me, but their <laughs> numbers keep dropping. So. so on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, well, next week we'll have our complete E three wrap up or. Roundup or review or whatever. Roundup. Roundup. E3 Roundup. E3 Roundup. And Chris will be doing... skip that show. <laughs> Chris will be doing the singing on that show. E3 Roundup. Um, make sure you check us out on Facebook.com slash Nerdables. And we're also on Go Twitter Nerdables. at Nerdables Show. Check out our other podcast, Comictating. Every Wednesday, me and Sebastian are covering the DC Rebirth titles, giving you the best of the best giving you our hot takes in the sports world. We're on Facebook. We're facebook.com backslash nerdables, and we don't post anything because we're busy, and this week's been really light. And we're where you can listen to us on SoundCloud and Stitcher and TuneIn Tune in and iTunes, of course. And we want your comments. And we should, we, do, we need, like, an email. We do for, have an email. Do we have an email for the show? We'll What's go nerdables at gmail.com. All right, nerdables at gmail.com. If comments you have and comments and, and lots of complaints... Even if you're friends of ours and you want to send them in, we'll pretend that we don't know you. You can complain about last week's show because I got lots of complaints about last week's show. <laughs> Why do you have Luke? Uh, he's like Luke. checking out the lightsaber. Yeah, he's, it's, he's, he's like, what the heck is it? Here, look. It's, it's the famous shot. Oh, can you do that shot? If you take anyway, out the so yeah, this is we're playing with toys here at Nerdables. You got the new Black Series Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and and you you did you got to do the Obi Wan line. It's like. It was your father's lightsaber. Your father's lightsaber. It killed hundreds of children. <laughs> they wanted you to have it when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. And guess what? He's not really your uncle. What? I, we'll you see. We'll talk to you Jesus. next week. <laughs>